All right, the Audible's back on the air. Kimbo Camper, John Conjami with you. And John, as every day you're looking around and, uh, and draft day just keeps getting closer and closer and closer. And as it gets closer, you kind of start, you know, digging into it a little more. And, and it's funny, it seems like every day when I look at stuff, read the papers, watch TV, listen to what's who's saying what and who's projecting what, boy, the things are... It, it, it's, it's changing. It, it's a very fluid... <laughs> it's a very fluid situation here which is always the draft is always that way and and it's funny how you know you got everybody everybody and his sister now has a has a mock draft well if you don't everybody we need to we need to create you know, some. I, I don't want to i, I don't right. want I, you know <clears throat> my, you know my thing i like looking at the draft i like looking at these guys i'm not really i'm not really a guy says oh this is where it's going to be you know because because i know this I've, I've seen the draft enough and you have all this stuff in the third pick of the draft screws up the entire goes some, draft. Goes some other direction, and, and yeah. everything's just everything's gone to shit. You're right. It point. reminds us when we when we went up to get Dion, you yes. know, a few years yeah. ago at, at defensive end, and you, you felt like, wow, we're going to go get the tackle, yeah. you know, Lane Johnson. Yeah. And internally, we really didn't know how strongly they might have been not liking yes. Lane Johnson. Yeah. So you go up and get a, a position of need, and then a couple years later. You're out. Yeah. You know that you 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 waste all that value going up to get a guy that you had conviction about, yeah. and it just doesn't work out. And it, and probably it helped the Eagles yeah. because they were able to go ahead and get their guy yeah. that they wanted, and the rest of the draft kind of fell into place after that. But you're you're right. Certain selections, and I think this year's no exception. You you think you have a a, a team in Arizona that wants to get a quarterback yeah. that, that already has one that went out and went moved up to get one last year. And now they're looking at Kyler Murray square in yeah. the face, but there's other teams like Oakland. There's other teams yeah. out there. The Giants may need one yeah. that that you don't know what's going to happen until draft day, and you don't know how the the Arizona Cardinals may want to package yeah. a Josh Rosen a couple yeah. days before or day of draft to get what they want. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. We're going to talk to Field Yates uh, in, a, in a little bit. NFL Insider for ESPN and co-host of the fantasy football focus podcast so we'll we'll talk to him a little bit get his ideas on it but yeah it's interesting you know it's funny because i go back to last year's draft for the dolphins and we're at the stadium we had the audible at the stadium and, and we're doing that and kind of looking and, we, and everyone's kind of looking at quarterbacks and you had the the edmonds kid you know the yeah. linebacker that was kind of sitting goes there to the bills and, and and it's funny because we're kind of looking at quarterback we're looking at this and that and all these different numbers and the people and I, and I remember you going, you know, let's let's not forget about Minka Fitzpatrick. He's still on the board. And he would kind of become like a – you know, he wasn't really a part of our conversation. Right. Not initially, in, no. Initially, well, I thought he'd be gone. Initially, because, yeah, I thought he was going to be a top five guy. Yeah. And, and I thought the Dolphins were going to – there was one of those quarterbacks was going to kind of – was going to, and there was one. Josh Allen was right. there when, when the Dolphins – I think – Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen was right. there when the Dolphins right. – Josh Allen jumped because the, the, the Bills, the, the went Bills up. jumped up and, and got him. And, and so you're kind of looking at, oh, the quarterback's there. Oh, you got a big linebacker in Tremaine Edmonds. You got this guy and that guy. And, and, and Minka kind of just kind of sunk into some dark hole that we, we kind of we, – I certainly overlooked. Right. And, 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 and Sam didn't – and then you go – in the last – you go, hey, you know, let's, let's not forget about this. And, and so it's, 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 it's very mm -hmm. intriguing. It's fun. I enjoy it. But – Last thing I'm going to do is is become one of these the draft Nick? draft prognosticators <laughs> because I know I know the chances of being right or or, or freaking zero. I know? love when Joe talk about Junior Junior. No Kuiper Junior Junior. We're not going to become one of those because I don't have time, quite frankly, to go through it. But I I really like the way w when draft night starts 
kind of unfolding and those pieces start to fall into place and somebody some team is going to make a move that you go what yeah why did they why did they do that or Or you see a guy that everyone's sour on and all of a sudden this team jumps up to take him yeah what What how did that happen what do they know or what don't they know that everyone else knows and it actually it actually helps the rest of the teams fill in to what their needs are and maybe opens the door. And I think that's what happened to the Miami Dolphins last year. You know, the door opened for a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick, who had value as a top five or six or seven pick, clearly. Could have went, you know, earlier, but it actually helped the Dolphins out because now they have a player that they can project for a lot of years that's going to be a Pro Bowl player for years to come. Yeah, and you look at it now, you know, you look at it now, and look, there was no question when, when the Dolphins drafted Minka last year we, we knew the type of player they were getting. You knew the type of character that you were getting. You knew the type of man that you were the getting. Production, but yes. but we but but we got the chance to see just how versatile, how good, and how good he's going to be. So things worked out for the Dolphins in that situation. Joining us now uh, from ESPN, uh, NFL insider and co-host of the Fantasy Football Focus podcast, uh, Field Yates. Field, thanks for joining us this morning. Appreciate it, guys. No problem. Glad to be on with you. How many of these shows are you doing on a daily basis? About 18, 20? <laughs> <laughs> feels like it some days. But the good news is, um, you know, this time of the year, a lot of our work is preparation. Yep. And being a part of these shows allows us to help prepare and be better ready so that in, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks when the draft gets going, no matter what happens. Because as much as we try to forecast it and mock draft it until yep. uh, the cows come home, we know that a lot of things are going to surprise us on draft night and we're going to be ready to react. Phil, let's talk about this draft a little bit as a as a whole, top to bottom. Where do you see the strength and the weakness of this draft group? Yeah, let's not make any mistakes about it. Everybody, probably, uh, you know, most people that follow the draft are well aware that this is a defensive front seven heavy draft. If you need a pass rusher, and let me just say this right now, thirty two teams in the NFL could always use yep. more pass rush. This is a good year, especially to be at or near the top. You know, the headlining players in this class will probably be the quarterbacks because that's the way the NFL draft is sort of designed. Kyler Murray has a chance to be the guy in this draft. But Nick Bosa, Quinnen Williams, Josh Allen, uh, just amongst the few top blue chippers that are really being discussed for those top three to five picks, obviously. Uh, Williams, a guy that does most of his damage on the interior, but Josh Allen and Nick Bosa are amongst the best edge players that we saw come out of this year's class. So the defensive line is certainly in one area of surplus. In terms of areas of limitation, you know, I don't know that there's as many top flight offensive tackles as maybe teams are hoping for, which not that every single year there's a bunch of stud tackles, but this might not be a year where if you're in the market for a top left tackle, there isn't a guy that necessarily comes to mind as a surefire top five pick and then quarterback is somewhat of a beauty in the eye of the beholder um you know we're talking a ton about the 2020 and 2021 Mm -hmm. draft classes with quarterbacks a little bit less buzz surrounding the 2019 draft class a lot of that probably stems from the fact that so many people believe that kyler murray will be gone by the time the cardinals make their pick at pick one well that's why i want to talk about the quarterback situation is this a year where under a normal year, for certainly uh, if it was next year in this same crop of quarterbacks we're playing or we're, we're in the draft, a lot of those guys you'd probably be talking about as second and third round guys while you've got these, these the Tua's and the guys that are coming out, the kid from Oregon coming out next year. Is it, are the quarterbacks, and, and I, think it's pretty, it's, I think it's pretty clear to most people, or at least it looks that way, 
they're they're going to be at least four quarterbacks again going the in the in the first pick in the first round of this draft. Are those stretch picks? In other words, are those guys that teams are so so hungry to get that quarterback that they'll take a guy that's probably a, a second round talent and drag him up to the first round just so they can get somebody? Yeah, so I think it's supply and demand is always going to be something that pushes quarterbacks up the board, right? I mean, that's just the way it goes, and that's and that's a good thing for these quarterbacks that are coming out. I think from the team perspective, a couple of things. First of all, quarterback evaluation is different for each team. What they are valuing and what they are seeing and how they are forecasting and projecting each of these players is different. It just is because of the styles, because of the coaching fits, because of the depth chart, because of the timeline. There's so many different elements of quarterback evaluation that I believe personally it's the most difficult position to evaluate. And that, that part is obvious. But evaluate in terms of how 32 teams would stack them up. You know, for example, I think if you had a top flight wide receiver, it's pretty obvious for us. All right, you know, like, you know, the number one wide receiver in a particular class in a given year might stand out pretty obviously. This year, though, I just think it's a matter of what your team has, what your team needs in particular to stack up these quarterbacks one through four. Um, And the last thing I'd say in terms of why quarterbacks maybe move up, especially when we think there could be some compelling guys on the market next year uh, in the draft specifically is that that all sounds good until you realize that look at this past off season, one quarterback, one Nick Foles was signed to a contract worth double figure, double digit millions per season, which, you know, that's sort of the threshold, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're, a, if you're a no doubt about it, long-term starter at quarterback in the NFL, you're probably making 15 to $18 million at minimum per year. So these quarterbacks that are in hand right now, what you can have, the bird in hand, might surpass what you think could take place a year from now when guys might regress, guys might not declare, guys might be injured, guys might just struggle. There are so many things that can change between now and next year's draft. Well, you know, Field, you bring up an interesting topic about beauty in the eye of the beholder when you talk about quarterbacks. And I think with the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins, Brian Flores, and his and his interest in having versatility and wearing multiple hats. And the more you can do on the defensive side, I, I think that where the Dolphins are, they have many needs. And, and you could probably go down that list uh, quite easily for us. But I'm going to look on the defensive side. Is he a type of guy, and you know him from your time spent at New England, is, is this coach a, a type of guy that's looking for that versatile defensive end slash outside linebacker, do a little bit of everything, maybe a defensive tackle that can kick outside, that can play a five technique, because they want to have versatility on the defensive side. And I know that a guy like Josh Allen from Kentucky may not be there when the Dolphins pick, but a guy like Brian Burns might be there, and Ed Oliver may slip, or if the Dolphins go uh, have happen to move up to get a guy like that is that what the dolphin fans should be looking for on the defensive side yeah you know it's funny so just to start with brian flores somebody i'm not sure i could respect any more than i do someone that i've known for say 14 12 to 14 years now basically since he and i both sort of got started with our football careers and just have an immense amount of respect for not just the coach that he is but probably even more so the person that he is i think the dolphins are in excellent hands with him as the coach and in terms of identifying traits uh, of what a player uh, he, what he looks for in a player, you know, one thing I always remind people is that 
Yeah, like we talk about guys and what primary position they play, but ultimately in the course of a game, it's incumbent upon coaches to do the right thing with guys. And I think specifically on defense where that matters most. And the reason I say why it matters more than offense is like, you know, it's not like if you have a really good left tackle, you're going to move them from left tackle to left guard in the middle of the game because they've got a really good defensive tackle that you're countering, right? Like no one moves their left tackle to guard when they're playing the Los Angeles Rams because Aaron Donald is just that good. So if you think about someone in the Dolphins roster right now, Minka Fitzpatrick, for example, I know that you were sort of asking about some of these front seven players, but like whether Minka Fitzpatrick starts the game at slot cornerback, starts the game at safety, perimeter cornerback, maybe even sub linebacker. That part is somewhat irrelevant to me. It's more about how he's used over the course of a 16-game season because he's got such a unique skill set for a guy that, you know, may be more versatile than almost any other defensive player on the roster. But for these upfront guys, yes, they're going to want to look for edge players like Brian Burns. Maybe they're going to look for a guy like Ed Oliver who can disrupt for the interior. But I think it's a nice sweet spot for the Dolphins because I do think that if they aren't looking quarterback, that other teams are going to leap ahead of them and push those quarterbacks up. And then I think they're going to have their pick of one of these unique defensive players that probably can play a few different spots right away. Hey, when you, you take a look, uh, Field, at, at the Dolphins and what they've done with Chris Greer, Brian Flores coming in and, and, and you know, taking, getting rid of players, you know, adding, adding some, you know, uh, low pride, you know, affordable talent, if you will, uh, to the roster and what they're doing, the approach they're doing, does that, do you like the roadmap that they're on that gets them to a football team in two, three years that can be a perennial type of a, uh, a playoff team given that they draft properly and given that they sign free agents properly? The most important thing that I can say about a team in April is do you have a plan? And, you know, unfortunately in sports, you know, as for fans, plans aren't just like, you know, expect to win the championship right. every single year and celebrate accordingly. It's just not the way that it is, right? I mean, you look at teams around all sports. Um, but what you don't want to be is a team that either lacks a plan or a team that has a plan that abandoned ship on the plan. Yeah. So for the Dolphins, I think it's evident what the plan is right now. And I'm not saying this because, I, I you know, Dolphins players want to hear this or the coaches – whatever necessarily concede as much. But guys, it feels like the obvious goal directive this year is to identify the pieces of the incumbent roster that are blue chip cornerstone players, guys that are going to be here for the next seven to 10 years. Additionally, get your salary cap in order. And that might be taking a little bit of short-term pain for some long-term gain. It is adding extra draft capital. But I know the Dolphins now have what, an extra fourth, fifth, and seventh That's right, in yeah. 2020. Yeah. It is an eye towards the future. And, I, and I'm not saying that the Dolphins want to show up on Sundays and lose because you can't afford a culture where losing is acceptable. But what I do think is that they're mindful enough that you, know, you, you, you run it back one more time where you were this past season, and you say to yourself, all right, like, were there some bright moments? Sure, there were some bright moments you know, a game below 500 at the same time, like a game below 500 kind of keeps you status quo. So I really believe that, um, 
the, the vision makes sense to me for what the Dolphins are doing. And I, I, it could be a long year. It really could be. And I'm not trying to hide from that reality. At the same time, it's a really sensible plan of attack. I think you make great points in terms of where the Dolphins are going. I mean, with the way they've moved this roster around and they've moved it around, but they've put themselves in position to still be competitive this year by going out and acquiring a guy like a Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think they had to make a move like that for this team because with the young core that's here and a guy that has shown, in the, at least in the month of September or early in the season, over the last couple of times he's been exposed and, and being available to play for teams, he's done quite well. He's, he's thrown for over 400 yards, I don't know how many times, yeah. over, over the last the four out of the last seven times he's hit the field, I think. But, but it's one of those things where you have to have a plan for this year because you need to be competitive. You need to keep these young guys on the track where you're going. But where you're going, you might not get there, uh, you know, zero to 60, like, like all NFL teams want to get to. What did you think about bringing in Ryan Fitzpatrick as that guy that knows what his role is going to be? There's no, there's no hidden agenda there. He's going to be the stopgap for the Miami Dolphins at quarterback probably for the next year and a half. Yeah, I'm not trying to make this a negative towards another team, but – one of the dynamics, <clears throat> excuse me, that we're looking at right now, just a couple weeks out from the draft, is not just will the Arizona Cardinals take Kyler Murray, but what does it mean for Josh Rosen if they do? Right. And there are some that would say, hey, you know, keep Josh Rosen. It's a valuable backup quarterback if you think that Kyler Murray uh, is going to be the number one overall pick. There are others that are saying, trade him. You got to get rid of him. And the reason I use that 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 example is just a quarterback room. I believe can be different than almost any other room in the building. You know, the offensive line room, you got 12 or 14 guys, you know, depending on how big, you know, your practice squad, right? You, you could have up to 12 or 14 guys. During the offseason, it could be closer to 18 guys in the offensive line room. The quarterback room is probably at, at, at its largest. Five. Four guys. Four, five, five yeah. guys. Yeah, like that's just never going to be a, a, a huge allocation of roster spots. So the reason why I mention that is Ryan Fitzpatrick, has been in the NFL for 14, now, what, I think yeah. 14 years, mm-hmm. right? 2006, seventh round pick, I believe it was. Um, and he's played for, this is his eighth NFL team he'll throw a pass for. He knows what his role is. He's accepted it as much. And I, I don't want to say that Ryan Fitzpatrick plays purely, uh, purely for the fun of the game. You know, it's his profession. It's his job. It's provided him and his family, you know, life-altering financial security. Um but I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick would sign with the Miami Dolphins if he didn't know the deal up front. And if they take a quarterback in the first round or the second round or the third round and things are tilting um, you know, more in favor of the right side of the win-loss column than the left side, and it's November, and you have to experiment with a young quarterback, that's part of the deal. I also think that some veteran quarterbacks have very little interest in trying to help a young quarterback. Uh, get better from the day that he walks in. I think there's a positive example that we saw in the division last year, which is the New York Jets, and they brought back Josh McCown, and it was pretty good money, but Josh McCown really, really did a lot of good for Sam Darnold. Mm -hmm. And I think that what we saw with the Bills is they ended up re-signing Derek Anderson, extending Matt Barkley. I don't think it's just because those guys are going to be there in case something comes up with Josh Allen. It's because they're going to make Josh Allen better day by day. And I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, his value is not just to probably be the opening day starter, but also to help a young quarterback if one is introduced into the fold. You know, we've talked a lot about Brian uh, Flores coming in, and and we've talked a lot about 
Brian coming from New England and the whole New England situation and the Patriot way, and he's brought coaches along with him that have, have an experience up there. What do you think that Brian Flores brings from that New England, that Patriot way, if you will, to his football team right now that really doesn't really doesn't affect the quality of the players that you have, but basic things that he can do to make this football team a better team from a standpoint of the way they go about their business, the way they handle themselves on game days, the way they play smart, all those types of things. You know, what I would start with with Brian that's sort of unique is that, um, listen, there are there there is no uh, requirement that you have to have played uh, in the NFL to be a successful coach. The greatest coach of all time, my, my opinion, is Bill Belichick, and he played at Wesleyan University. Uh, my album honor, as a matter of fact, the D3 school uh, that, you know, we're certainly not a football powerhouse, although I am proud of the direction of that program as well. Um, but uh, I think there is a certain relatability that Brian Flores brings. And um, Brian obviously did not ever appear in an NFL game, but uh, was a really well-regarded player uh, during his time at Boston College, sort of an un- undersized linebacker who got the most out of his ability, uh, played at Poly Prep in Brooklyn, very decorated program uh, in the New York City area. Um, and I think that players have a certain respect for him um, I think that there's a certain level of accountability that he can bring right away that will play really well with these players uh, that are meeting him, or in, uh, probably almost all of them are meeting him for the very first time as the offseason program begins. I think that beyond that, you know, he has seen the game through the eyes, or at least close to through the eyes of, again, um, you know, my, to my, in my opinion, the greatest coach of all time and Bill Belichick, you're bound to learn a lot. Um, Brian also has spent time doing a lot of different things in his coaching well, football career. He's scouted, he's coached special teams, he's coached defense. And that stuff matters because ultimately when you go from uh, defensive coordinator uh, in, in practice to uh, even if not in title um, into the head coach of a team, there's a lot of added responsibility and you're responsible for 90 men during the off season and all the responsibilities that come along with it. And I think that Brian is pretty uniquely equipped to be one of those coaches that does a lot of good early on in his head coaching career. Well, he's been great to deal with so far in terms of off field for us. And we can't wait to watch him on the field when OTAs get to that that phase that we're able to watch and actually get on the field with the coaches. And lastly, Field, I want to ask you about the 13th pick, about the Miami Dolphins, and and maybe that direction you see them going in. I, I personally, and I could be completely wrong, but I don't see them having an opportunity at a Kyler Murray or a Dwayne Haskins or, or even if, if they fell, one of those two guys ended up falling. I think it would be Murray maybe before Haskins, but that's just my gut. Saying that those two guys are gone, do you think that the Miami Dolphins are squarely looking at, at a defensive front seven player to, to be impactful for, for this upcoming season? You know, it's funny. And so I don't know when this podcast will be released in full disclosure. I assume sometime this week, which is yes. two weeks away from the start of the NFL draft. And so people could listen to this and just laugh at us. Or well, laugh they laugh at, at us all the time, but don't weeks. you'll okay, just good. join in. Yeah, no problem. All right, so we don't give a shit about them laughing at us, so don't worry about that. All right, good. This is a safe space then. Um, but the... 
my gut as of right now is that Dwayne Haskins is actually more likely to be available at pick 13 um, than certainly than Kyler Murray and, and maybe even than Drew Locke. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and, and honestly, maybe even Daniel Jones. I don't, I, and I'm saying this like I'm not forecasting, you know, if I had to do a mock draft and, you know, ESPN thankfully absolves me of having to do a mock draft each year. Um, this That's year a blessing. I, I might have. It is. I might. I might have Dwayne Haskins at, you know, the third quarterback taken. Maybe even the fourth. Um, I think with the Dolphins, there are other teams this year that I believe if they bypass on a quarterback in the first two rounds, and and really specifically the first round, that it would be. I don't want to say negligent, but it would be an omission. You know, and I think the poster child for that is the is the Giants. I think the Giants have to do something in terms of investing in the quarterback pipeline this offseason the Dolphins and I'm not saying you know if you love a guy and he's there you got to take him but you know the Dolphins are in this spot where if the quarterback that they prefer is not there and the price is too steep to move up and acquire that player there's enough good picks on the board that taking somebody else at a position that might be more valuable right away and you might believe in the player more is a totally sensible move Hey, we appreciate your time, Field. I know you're busy and uh, got a lot of stuff coming up, but uh, appreciate you kind of kind of filling us in a little bit, especially with your background back, background with Brian Flores and, and and all the stuff he's done up there. And uh, wish you the best of luck and and thanks for joining us. Hey guys, I appreciate it, and uh, let's enjoy this draft. And uh, I think you know the the future is bright for the Dolphins. You know, it's it's the right people are in place with Chris Greer and Brian Flores yeah. and a really strong staff on both sides. Appreciate that. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, Field. Thanks, guys. All right, hearing those same things from, you know, it's funny, you you, you kind of go around and, and you talk to people and, and, and you're hearing those things kind of over and over from people that have been around in the know that, and it, it's kind of like the same thing. He said, you've got the right people in place. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you know, I, I remember last year, and, and I'm not taking shots at Adam because, look, you know, my, the way I feel, I, I liked Adam, mm-hmm. uh, and, and quite frankly, I, I you know, I would have been fine with him staying here. Certainly fine with Brian Flores. Looking forward to seeing what that's all about. But, you know, listen to him and, and you know, that, that talk about, you know, the, trying to get the locker room, trying to change the, the, uh, the, the character of the team, all those things. And, and, and as I watched, the, watched I, I, I kept hearing it, but I never really saw it. I never saw it translate onto the field. Mm-hmm. If you the, the character, all these types of things, still saw the same mistakes and still saw saw those things, and, and that's kind of where I'm at with. I, I, I kind of think this is, you know, and based really on the, on the conversation we had with Brian when we first came in, is you know I, I think you, I remember asking I remember asking Adam after they after they beat the Rams, um, in 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 L A that uh, the Ryan Tannehill to Devonte uh, Parker yeah. in the corner of the end zone the end of the game to win the game. And I remember asking him, we you know went through all the hey great win blah blah blah, and then I asked him, coach, you still had a ton of penalties. And he goes, oh, I'm not worried about penalties. Well, you know, you, you know, okay, you know that that's fine, but you better be the Oakland Raiders or you better be the Baltimore Ravens defense. Or you better be you better be able to like overcome that, that on a better, weekly yeah, basis. And just, so and and I, I never thought he bought into that being an important aspect of winning football games. And, and and but I get com- I get the complete opposite feel when I talk to the guys that are here now, 
and in particular when we sat down with Brian when he came here on the Audible and, and spoke about that. So, and it kind of was kind of leaning towards that when I was talking. We we're talking to Field about the things you can do, get guys to understand that penalties aren't aren't acceptable. Uh, get guys to understand that you need to be where you need to be is where you need to be, not where that's where I'm supposed to be, but I want to go over here. You know, th- those types of things to me that are based, they have nothing to do with the skill level of a player, but it has to do with their abil- the ability to trust that they're going to be where they're supposed to be and do what they're supposed to do, and they're not going to give away yards and first downs or give up first downs because of because of undisciplined play that leads to penalties. Well, it seems to me, Bo, just reading between the lines, that this this staff and the culture that they're trying to create are putting a paramount importance on the little things or big things. Yep. The, the littlest, minute detail are the biggest things we need to worry yes. about. And the big things, those explosive pl- those things are going to happen, but don't worry about those. Because if you take care of the little mm-hmm. things, if you're on time, that means you're late. Yeah, you know yeah. Th- 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 yeah. those types of things yeah. that start during OTAs when when the coaches aren't even around right. and the players have to account for themselves when it's voluntary and then it becomes mandatory and now you get the coaches involved and those things kind of that culture kind of gets into place from the players starting it because of one team meeting yeah. because of one man being in front of those gr- other group of men saying this is the way it's going to be yeah. and I'm not going to stand for it yeah, and and you know what you and, and I and you, you know what you'd like to see you'd like to see the culture um become uh, second nature, second nature, but but one where where that you know the head coach lays out the rules. This is what we're going to do. When when I say the meeting starts at, at ten o'clock, doesn't it might start, start at nine fifty five. Ten o one doesn't start at ten o two. Right, and you're right. It may be five minutes earlier. Right. it starts when I walk in the door. Right, so you better be ready for that. It's it's not about that, but it's it's about just it, part of it to me is about having guys within that meeting room. That take it upon themselves to police those things. Right. You know, when you're that guy, when you're sitting in there and that guy comes in three minutes late for a meeting, and you're and you're and you're a veteran player, you say, "Hey, no, no, we're all here on time. If it's important, if it's important for us, enough for us to be on time, was damn important enough for you to be on time? Get your ass in here. You know, it doesn't always need to come from the coach. You know, it's sometimes, you know, sometimes it's got to come internally from that locker room." From players that go out and do well, it, the I, think right it way and the I, I think it has to. Absolutely, I think it. I think that. And, you know, you can have two kind of locker rooms. You can have the kind of locker room where the guy comes in late and everyone goes, "Hey, man, yeah, you got away with it." You know, yeah, guy didn't say, you know. Or you can have the guy says, "No bullshit, bullshit." If we want to win games, we got a game this week. Be here on time so we can get our meeting started, so we don't have to go back over shit that we just went over because you it wasn't important enough for you to be here on time. That to me is when you that's when you get a real culture change when it's the guys in the locker room that are the ones that are patrolling everything that goes on on, on the practice field, in the meeting rooms, and on game days. Well, I, I think that's why this part of the of the OTA phase is so important because it's really it's just the players. Yeah. The players are getting into shape. They're continuing to, to stay in shape, some of them. They're continuing to to do things that to get their bodies in, in a position to to be the best they yeah. can be, but it's all about having that extra time 
It's all about learning the fundamentals on offense, defense, and special teams that when they're in front of the coaches, yeah. that they're ingrained. Yeah. Those, those, those pillars of what they want to be, how they want to look on offense, what type of offense they yeah. want to be on defense, how multiple can they be, how smart can we be yeah. on defense to be able to put ourselves and let these players well, be in different positions. And you say that, John. We've been around teams here over the last decade or so where – You've talked to coaching, well, geez, I'd, I'd like to do that, but well, nah, these guys and I'm going, not sure ah, we can. I don't know. You know, we got a, I got a guy over here who's got a block of wood on his shoulders. Well, it's hard to get through to that's him. That's why know? this young nucleus that we always talk about yeah. when we get together, Bo, about, you know, the Minka Fitzpatrick's and the Raekwon yeah. McMillan and, and guys and on special teams like Walt Aiken, you know, yeah, like all, these guys, all, yeah. all those guys that you have to, you know, you have to be on the same page yeah. and they all have to be going in the same direction. Even they're in an offense, defense, or special teams meeting. At the end of the day, they're still working on on the basic yep. fundamentals of how this team goes from where they are now upward to yep. get better. Yep. Hey, uh, speaking of Walt Aikens, we got him coming in a little bit, so we'll we'll have a chance to talk to him and get a feel for what he's. Doing. I saw him at the DCC. And I did way, as well. I, by the way, John, I got to congratulate your daughter. Uh, Cassie. Oh man, worked. Oh, I mean, just worked and worked and worked and worked. I don't think she'd ever ridden a bike very far before. No, I, I think she went her farthest uh, time on a bike was maybe 20 or 28 yeah. miles and, and she, she went 100. 100 miles on Saturday. <laughs> I thought she was crazy. You know, it's funny because, and, and, and look, I, I did, a, I've done 100 miles and, and it's a, it's, 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 it's a chore. I mean, it, it's a commitment and it's a chore. Uh, but I remember I was, I was in, I was in the tent, uh, I was in the tent after the ride and, you know, congratulations to everybody. Everybody. Worked on. How, about, I mean, how about all the money they raised? All the, the money they the, raised. It's, it, it was an unbelievable a, day. It, it really was a great, great day. And, and it was put, it was such a great, great thing for the Dolphins yeah. and, and the DCC, the, the, the way it came off. Yeah. I mean, everybody enjoyed themselves. Everybody. everybody had a good time and it was all for just a, a, a terrific cause. Yeah. I, I remember sitting in there and, and uh, I was sitting with my daughter, uh, Kimberly. Kimberly, who, who was did the, the, who did the who 5K. Did the walk, yeah. The 5K walk. And, uh, she goes, oh, I'm trying to find. I'm, I'm, I've got a thing tracking like Cassie. Tra tracking Cassie. <laughs> yeah. she says, well, she's at a, she's at a, she's, she's at 40 miles, and she stopped. And she goes, she's been stopped for about 20 she minutes. She was on a block of ice, <laughs> sitting down. She goes, and so I'm going, oh, geez, I hope she makes it. And then, sure enough, here she came in, and I know, you know, your wife and your family. Yeah, they were all. It was there, great yeah. to see all you guys at the finish line. Big sign for her, and the smile on her face when she came by was. Uh, it was really incredible. Yeah, was I was really, really proud stuff. of her. I didn't yeah. know. I, I told her. I kept telling her during the week. Listen, you don't have to go 100. Yeah, this is not a race. Yeah, yeah, right, you know, yeah. if you can get if you get 50 and you yeah. feel like you can't go anymore, don't worry about yeah. it. But she said, Dad, the hardest part was probably between 40 yeah. and 65, yeah. where I didn't think I could move anymore. Yeah. But then I got to training camp and we got to a place where we could see the stadium. She goes, I was I'm finished. There. I'm there. Yeah, I made no it. I made about. it. Hey, John, along that lines too, uh, before Walt comes in. Um, another thing this week, and it has nothing to do with football, but you know, I was riveted to the TV on Sunday or Saturday, whatever day it was, watching the women's amateur. Uh, oh, at, at Augusta, Augusta National. that was awesome. You know what? I have a buddy of mine that's a member there, and, and he's on the board. And, and you know, when that thing ended, I just sent him a text. I just said, "Bravo!" I, I was just so. I, it was so special. Those girls were awesome. They played great golf. Uh, seeing them out on that golf course, a golf course that not so long ago had no female members right. uh, that have gone to, you know, that have opened up that golf course, not only to to the kids, the chip and the drive chip and putt thing that they mm -hmm. do that's become huge. just a huge event. And then to have the women amateurs play there and play the way they played and, and, and to give golf fans a chance to watch the game at its most, it, it is most basic where it's, 
Because these girls, they don't play in front of anybody. They, they rare. How they, about the crowds? They, they play in front of their family and friends. Their moms are walking. It looked their like a walking. Sunday a, at Augusta it, it, it National. I'm watching. I'm watching the guys. one hole when uh, I think it was. I forget what hole it was where where um, maybe it was twelve or lineup twelve. And they, they showed the fan. I'm like, wow, look at this. It looks like a regular tournament yeah. day, right? And these girls had never been. But and and talk about class. <clears throat> Those girls handle themselves with class and dignity, and and. You know, how about it, the '67 oh, as well? The talent yeah, that yeah, was out there. No, it was. How about how about '13? The girl, I know. the girl, she hits that she hits that fairway with the ball's about a foot and a half above <laughs> her. It looked like about a foot above her feet. Yeah, slaps it up there about five feet away, makes the eagle, turns the whole thing around, and yeah, I, I just saw. I just was so. I've got it taped. I watched it again last night. That's, I, I did, that's just, such a cool thing. Such yeah. a good thing for golf. It is to see. You know, to see. Those girls and the sportsmanship they had and the way they carried themselves. Uh, I, I know. Again, I know. I'm, I'm getting off. No, track it was here, a treat. But, that was a treat to yeah. watch. That was that was Good that was stuff. incredible. So we'll turn our attention back, and uh, I think uh, I think Walt's on his way over. So we'll we'll we'll, we'll get back to football with Walt. Yeah, Walt. Uh, Walt's an interesting guy. I saw him on the bike ride. So we were talking about the bike ride a yeah. little bit. I saw him on the bike ride, and I, I got to ask him because he had some kind of. The shield, the shield. Yeah, I don't uh, know. What, the, I got. I got to find out. A, that was a big shield. I got to dig into that shield and see they what that was all about. They weren't just goggles. They no. covered from ear to ear. Yeah, and, 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 and from about upper almost, lip, upper lip yeah. to, to the forehead. I think covered so. The whole face. Yeah. I, th- I don't know if that was sun protection. I don't know. Uh, shades. I've a fashion seen, statement. I think I've seen something like that, like maybe on a ski slope or something. But I don't know if I've ever seen it on a <laughs> ride. So, so I'm gonna get into the the bike ride with uh, with with. He was there with Raekwon. And, yeah, and I know they took there. part with in, in the part where uh, I, I guess was Kenny Stills was there. Uh, Mr. Ross yeah. rode in that part of the uh, yeah. of the DCC, so that'd be interesting to find out. Yeah, it was it was, it was a fun, it was a good day, good day. But uh, you know, Walt's an interesting guy. You know, Walt had the you know, the injury two years ago and mm-hmm. kind of came back, and, and you know, then the team stayed with him, and uh, and and once again. Probably the best special teams player that they they've had. He's a pillar on, he's on special guys, teams. Yeah. I mean, he's on them all, and he's one of those leaders. He yep. he leads by example because he's productive, yep. you know. And he's one of the guys that when you ask him to play safety, yep. you ask him to play, you know, somewhere else on the defense. You know, he's a guy that he, he, is first in line. He's going to he, try. He's going to give you quality minutes. He's going to give you everything he's got, yep. which which is what you ask, what you need. From the entire roster, yeah. when you're playing and you're trying to scratch and claw every year because that's your niche, yeah. you know, and every team has their guy or two or three guys yeah. that are penciled well, you know, in you know, to, they're, to they're, be those special those guys, team stars. Those guys that aren't starters per se, but but you treat them the same way because they're so valuable what they do. You know, they're those. You know, a lot of special teams guys are last cut guys or just barely made the team guys, and they're fitting in there. But like you said, there's those two or three core guys that you got that are on every special team and they're good at everything they do on special teams and, and you consider them part of that regular it starts with the, those guys the, the regular guys you know exactly. you throw them in there with john denny you know john yeah. denny's a guy that you know he when you think about special teams and, and you think about where do the dolphins go he's at the top of the list yeah. because nothing happens you know mo- the majority of the time or at least 50 percent of the time without him on on special teams so walt's one of those guys that I think has even improved uh, yes. his craft on yep. special teams. You know the the way he goes down and covers kicks, especially inside the twenty yard line. His knack, along with Vincent Taylor, to be able to find the football yep. and get a hand on it. Uh, you know he's had a, a few blocks and and scooping scores yep. in his career. So those are the things that are invaluable for a team, and it goes back to. You know the all three phases. You know your offense might be down one day, yeah. or the defense may be down. Where special teams, 
you find out that they they acquire those hidden yeah. yards, and Walt's a big part of that. Well, there was a play a couple years ago when the Jets were struggling against the Jets. You had the the, the block, and, yes. then, and then Walt picked the up scoop and scoop and score for the, for the yeah. score, and, and that really changed the momentum. Uh, of that football game, but uh, and, and you need those guys. So Walt's really been a standout uh, since he got here in 2014, uh, fourth round draft pick, and, and really is uh, you know is, is made a made a spot for him. And, and looking forward to seeing he just gets better and better. So looking forward to seeing that as he comes. And along. And it'll be interesting from his perspective. Yeah. You know, working with Darren Rizzi yeah. for all those years. You know, uh, being able to to now change and, and kind of flip his way towards Danny Crossman, who, yeah. who was a teammate of mine in college. And I know Danny quite well, and he comes from the Buffalo Bills in that organization and, and seeing like his message yeah. and, and, the, and, and comparing and contrasting on, you know, the way that they go about their business. And because, you know, Darren led the Dolphins yeah. to, to a top five yeah. ranking just about every year yeah. you know across the board if not higher in terms of special teams and it's due to guys like Walt but it's due to the the small minute details that we talked about that yeah. the team needs to get back to that are of such importance uh the way they go about their business I, I would think on special teams those minute details yeah. hold great value in terms of the way those guys go about their business yeah. because you only get so many cracks at going out and being on the field and I think Walt would attest to that yep. you know and as he walks in you know how valuable those reps I, I, are I can't I can't recognize Walt anymore I I, I don't I, I don't can't recognize Walt without unless, the shades unless you got that Ooh, big unless visor. you got that big visor on yeah. I gotta tell you I saw the other day and I'm, I'm looking over I said damn <laughs> what the hell's my man wearing over there does not have Star Wars yeah, I didn't know man. what the hell you had on you had a lot of compliments I thought on maybe the... you just came back from skiing somewhere and you had hey, like that's big, what it's like big ski things like, what yeah. the hell were you wearing out there I got a little visor off uh, Amazon man yeah, oh, you can get yeah. anything off Amazon. Yeah, for real. I got, a, I got a set of kilts off of Amazon. Oh, man, not kilts. I did, I did. I wore the damn things, too. <laughs> right. For real. I didn't wear any underwear underneath them, oh, too. I just man. let myself fly out there. That's crazy. Yeah, well, we got to do what you got to do. Yeah, hey, before we get into into all the football stuff and, and what's going on here, first of all, how you feeling? And, and you know, at this point of the season, you had a chance to kind of get healed up, the bumps and bruises yep. and a little bit, and, yeah. and now you're back on the uh, – Back on the bike, so to speak. For sure. Uh, felt great, man. Got a nice little break. Went home. Uh, spent some time with my family. Yep. Uh, now we're back in it week two. Um, good to see everybody back and healthy and, and running around working. Let's talk a little bit before we get into all that. Uh, you, you rode in the DCC this year. Um, a lot of guys there. You, we went from training camp, had a mm -hmm. bunch of guys there, and you get back. And, and it's a big thing for the organization. It's a big thing for our community. It's a big thing for anybody that's ever been touched by cancer, uh, cancer research. Well, why did you get involved and in, uh, uh, in, 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 in why did you just jump in and, and, and go head first into the thing? Um, me personally, I don't have any family members affected by cancer. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, I just knew it was a good way to give back. Uh, I saw we raised over $38 million, yep. and um, – I don't know, I just, just thought it would be a good cause. Uh, go show face and and have fun, I guess. I, I at least thought it was fun. It was a tough bike ride, man. Four, 14 miles, you man. know, it sound like much. And you're in shape. How <laughs> yeah. do you think it felt for me? I got, <laughs> I, I haven't, been, shit, I haven't, I haven't run more than, I haven't run more than two feet in about Boy. eight months, man. Yeah, that was tough. After the first five minutes, it started being a, a real workout. 
Well, what, so you, what did you think, Walt, when you when you were riding with Raekwon and Kenny was in it, and then you saw Mr. Ross kind of see the stadium and, and start flying by I, you guys? I think Mr. Ross had an electronic bike. He, <laughs> he, just, he just made it look like he was pedaling. He had a little button or something because he really took off on us. I tried to keep up with him, but... As soon as he saw the stadium, it was a wrap. Speaking of that, my old man, my boy, my boy Mark Duper, yeah. Dupe had an electric bike out there. <laughs> Did he? Dupe, Dupe had one of those electric yeah. bikes out there. <laughs> they weren't going to trick him this no, year. No, 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 no. But, but you know, I don't know if you know this, but it, you know, interesting thing about that bike riding, and a particular Mark Duper, he was riding, it was probably four or five years ago. That's right. He was riding in the DCC, felt mm-hmm. some discomfort, yeah. went to the doctor and found he had uh, testicular cancer. Well, during, they found it, be, you know, he felt it during the ride, Got it soon enough where they were able to to take care of it and uh, you know and, and get him uh, get him cured from it. But uh, yeah. it's pretty amazing, just you know, you're riding in something like that, and, and next yeah. thing you know, you're you're in getting treatment. So yeah. <laughs> it does it does a lot of good, and and I know everyone appreciates you being part of that. Hey, let, let's talk a little bit about about you uh, coming in here. You signed a two year contract extension last year. It gives you a, a little a little comfort uh, being here. And you had a chance to be with with Brian Flores and your defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, uh, new coaches Danny Gross, uh, Cross, Crossman, the uh, new special teams coordinator. What do you think of the of the uh, of the hierarchy in this building right now? Um, I mean, I just like the atmosphere right now. Um, we got some nice coaches in. Uh, we'll see what they bring to the table, and our our job is just to go out there and play. So yep. we're we're preparing ourselves uh, mentally and physically to get ready for this upcoming season. Well, what are your first impressions? Uh, as you guys last week, you came in to start off season workouts, conditioning work, and stuff like that. Had a chance to uh, to hear uh, Coach Flores in front of your team for the first time. What kind of impression did you walk away with? Um, uh, nice impression, man. Um, like I said, uh, the He's a, coming from a, a winning program, so uh, hopefully that all translates over and uh, we're just trying to get ready and, and be the best players we can be. What's it like being around the guys again? You know, I'm sure you've been around a couple guys in the offseason, but to have the group back together yeah. and try to maybe familiarize yourself with some new faces but still get back with guys that you know on uh, this football team. It's nothing like being in that locker room environment. When you got all the guys together joking and laughing and, and even working together, um, you just push yourself to new limits, and especially with the group of guys that we have, um, we got a lot of lot of returning players, especially at my position. So uh, we just stick together, have a great time, and and try to try to put a great great thing together. How do you how do you <clears throat> shut out the outside noise? Sometimes when you hear nothing, you hear maybe or read or or your friends come up. Hey, I yeah. heard you guys are this, or heard you guys are that. How do you mentally, uh, especially because the regular seasons? kind of yeah. you know far away yeah. how do you mentally prepare yourself on, on a daily basis on a weekly basis to just focus in on your job um you just got to keep that football player mentality just like uh something goes wrong during the game uh, you got to move on next play uh here's stuff uh, it goes one ear goes in one ear and out the other so i mean that's that's usually how i handle all the media stuff all any anything that's news you got to take it how it comes well the every year is a, a an individual year uh, you've you've had a chance to kind of look back at last season, what you did. Uh, what are you trying to do between now and and the start of uh, the regular season? Now you got OTAs, mini camps, yeah. all that stuff to go. What do you want to accomplish between now and then to make you uh, the the player that you want to be going into this season? Um, get in the best shape of my life. Uh, get as strong as possible. Uh, get this playbook down and go out there and perform.
that's those are my goals right there. How about the group uh, of guys that you've got? That uh, look a lot of a lot of faces have come and gone. You've been around for a while. Mm-hmm. You've seen faces come and go, and kind of gotten down to kind of kind of strip things down to the bare minimum, yeah. reloading guys on this on this football team. Uh, you've been with them for a while. What about the makeup of the guys right now sitting in that locker room? Uh, we have a solid group, man. A lot of competition. Um, any way you look at it, so uh, I feel like. We're going to be as good as we can be with this group, pushing each other to the limit, to the max, um, just trying to make the most out of our situation. Put me in a situation, Walt, when you're on the sidelines, because being one of those elite special teams players, you only get a crack at getting out on the field. You know, maybe it's nine times, maybe it's 17, maybe it's 14. How do you how do you prepare yourself? Because. It seems like, you know, as a quarterback, you throw a touchdown, you throw an incompletion, you throw an interception. Well, you know you're coming back. Yeah. On special teams, you might not get that that one crack that you yeah. to make up for something or to as a group make up for something. How do you approach that? Like you say, uh, <clears throat> you don't get a lot of opportunities, so um, you got to make the most of your, you got to make the most of every play. Got to make the most of every step. You you have to go out there and and want to make a tackle. You got to mm-hmm. want to make a play or you're not gonna be around it, you know. You gotta. I mean, I've stuck around long enough, and my whole mindset is: when I step on the field, can nobody stop me? What's your favorite? You know, of all the teams you've been on, and I know you know blocking one and scooping and scoring's got to be at the top <laughs> of the list. But that's definitely up there. Where, where, what teams section or, or portion do you like the best? Uh, I would say punt, man. When you when you get a double vice and uh, yeah. you just own, you you know you can beat them. You beat them and, and make a great play. No, it's no better feeling than than whooping two people, and then maybe a, a third if they have a um, a back blocker back there, and then going and tackling somebody. Oh, you feel great, man! Yeah, yeah. that little that little getting that ball as it's about to bop pop into the end zone yeah. on a, for a touchback, and you kind of mm-hmm. get it back in the field. Is a pretty yeah. that's a pretty good spot too. Of course, right? of course. Got everyone in the stadium going crazy. <laughs> that's when get live thirty five. You can see him out on the <laughs> field, live, going a little, getting a little excited, right? <laughs> that's right. Hey, speaking about getting excited, you came from Liberty. Liberty started out the uh, NCAA tournament yeah. with a little win over Mississippi State, and uh, a nice little shot in the arm for uh, for that. Man, yeah, that was cool. Uh, got a lot of support. A lot of people hit me up yeah. on uh, social media talking about the school. And it's, it's great for that so school after, to get after recognition. So after they beat Mississippi State, was there a lot of Final Four talk? We're yeah. on the Final yeah. Four! Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was. You know, uh, then we, who do we have? Tech? Yeah, you know, Isaiah Ford went to Tech. So yeah. uh, I hit him up that night. We played and we had a nice little wager. Is it? Yeah. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of teammates of yours watching the TV. Mm-hmm. You oh, know, yeah, yeah. I, I gotcha. I never seen him sweat more on the field <laughs> or watching LSU play. Like yeah. you know, as they're approaching yeah. the Sweet yeah. Sixteen, I, I, was, I, I was watching the final game and I'm trying to think. You no, know, uh, Jason Jenkins. You know, I'd, I'd like to see. <laughs> oh, I like God. to see <laughs> Jason Jenkins yeah. and some of these other guys. Or Jakeem. But I got Jakeem, but, yeah. I, but I got buddies that I got buddies that played in Virginia yeah. too. You know, so I want to see yep. that. But, I tell you, it was, it was a it was a really good turn. The last three games, the final two final four games, and the final game were just really really yeah, good basketball damn. games, and really really one of the great events to watch. You you keep it, you pay yeah. attention to the whole thing. I, I had to support Liberty, man. Yeah, yeah. Had to support Liberty because uh, I did play basketball at Liberty for a yeah. year, and um, yeah, it was it was tough back then, but they they pulled it together. They were doing their thing this year. Uh, I was happy for them. Happy for the program. 
and uh, just know there's more to come. Hey, let's talk a little bit. Uh, you know, we talk about special teams, but uh, you kind of look at this. You know, there's a lot of changes going on here, and you kind of look in that secondary, and 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 really, you feel like pretty good about where you're at yeah. back there. Maybe that cornerback on the other side, opposite uh, X, who's going to come and and really, you know, wrap their arms around that job. But you look at the safety position, everything. I think it's probably one of the more stable positions. Yeah on this football team as we get ready to go into OTAs and mini camps and all those types of things. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <clears throat> the guys we have coming back, um, we've got a great vet in Rashad Jones. You know, yeah. I consider myself a vet as well. And, um, I mean, we're, we're putting the pieces together and, and trying to work towards a greater goal, which is winning. And you know what you got? You know what? When I look at the, when we look across the board at all those guys, yourself included, they're, they're all the same type of guy, hardworking yeah. guys, Guys that want to know everything, what everyone else is doing. Guys that want to communicate, do all the things that, that make you a good football team. Got to be a good group for you to work with on a, on a daily basis. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, got a lot of smart guys in the room. So, I mean, if there's any, if there's ever a question, um, we can talk about it amongst ourselves before we go to the coach. Uh, we go to the coach just for that final clarification. But, um, yeah, we with the guys we have, man, is is no reason why we shouldn't be at the top. I wanted to get a player's perspective perspective on a rookie coming in like Minka and playing multiple positions the way he did what was your viewpoint of that 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 had, takes a special player yeah. to, to be able to one take that all on and be pretty good doing it at yeah, the same sure. time what was your opinion of, um, of, of his rookie season it was good man uh we always say the more you can do yeah. um shows his versatility and his athleticism and I mean he, he has more to more to prove more to show um, up-and-coming young player, and uh, he jails in perfect with us. Well, we, John and I were talking a little bit before you came in, kind of from a team standpoint. You're talking you know, about the new coaching staff and all the people that are there. Uh, and, and I know Coach talked – when we, we had him here, he talked about discipline and you know cutting down the penalties, being where you're supposed to be and, and committing to being where you're supposed to be instead of freelancing and doing those types of things. And that's all well and good with the coach. But John and I were talking about the responsibility of guys like yourself, veterans, guys that have been around here for a while, that understand where you want to be and kind of understand the road that you've been on, the path that you've been on, and, and to do what you – is it incumbent on guys like you to to kind of be coaches in that locker room where guy comes in late to a meeting where, where you, you, you police that? Yeah. You tell the guy that's not acceptable or, or whatever's going on. Be a little bit of the guys, that those vets, to be that, that – that voice in the locker room that comes from inside, not from outside, to make this football team be the type of – and I'm not talking from an athletic standpoint. I'm not talking about playing – just from being smart. Yeah. Playing, being where you're supposed to be, to be, knowing what you're supposed to do, and then doing it the proper way. Exactly. Uh, it's all about binding to the system and uh, leading by example. You know, these guys look at you uh, on the field and off the field. So – how you carry yourself around the locker room and outside the locker room. You have younger guys looking up to you, and um, you can really set a great example for them and uh, uh, ultimately impact their career at a at a young age so when they're our age, yeah. they can do the same thing for somebody else. Yeah, we can't wait. You know, it, it's only OTAs, but we can't wait for – preseason to start and regular season to start sure. and there's a, it's a long time and I'm sure you're excited but we're, we're happy you took the time and came and stopped by today and sure. told us a little bit about your experience at DCC Man. because you guys helped raise a, a heck of a lot of yeah, money sure, and it was a, sure. a great day for a lot of people so thanks hats off oh, to yeah. you man do, kudos do those, uh, those, those shades come in different colors they I'm come at, in different colors I'm gonna have to get you a pair I'm gonna have to give me a pair I'm gonna have to get you, you know? a pair I got I'm you. gonna go on Amazon and check it out and see what I got there <laughs> I'm a little I'm a little partial to uh 
Yeah, I, I kind of like that pinkish hue. You know what All I mean? Right. Little, cool. You know? I'm going to check it out, and there I got you. you. All right. Sure. Well, thanks for stopping by, man. No problem. Well, Always thank a you, buddy. Good seeing sure. you again, Pleasure man. having you in. More of a pleasure watching you in the field, my Most friend. Most Always Get good stuff. Thank you. All right. There you go. All right. Appreciate it. Hey, Renzo. Yes, sir. Thanks for nothing. But hey, hey, I'm here for you. <laughs> there you go. Always, always here for us. God. Thanks, Renzo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what a good guy, man. I, He's I you, awesome. You know, those are the kind of guys you, you wish you could have 15 of those guys on your football team. Hard right? workers. Yeah. Does his job. Yeah. Selfless. And is and want, you know just wants to get better. You yeah. Know? It, it's funny how you watch. You know, you watch guys come up, and 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 I think a lot of times, especially too, with look, I, I kind of kept. You know, the same you're coming from a smaller school, you're not coming from a Big Ten or you know, ACC, SEC or those kind of conferences. And you kind of come in and you, you know, you, 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 you know, you always, you always feel like you got to be better, you right? Do better. And, and I think Walt brings that certainly brings that to the table, uh, every time. And, and like I said, more guys like that that come in and just, you know, it, it's, it's so, and then, and then you see some of these guys that come in and, you know, they've, they've, you come in, come in the other way, you know, and they've always been highly touted. And they go, ah, why do I? I don't have to do that. I, I know what I'm doing. And, well, he's never you know, complacent. You know, no. this is a guy that's always working, and he's yeah. always uh, fun to be around. And I, I think that's one of the things that he brings to the table. He yeah. brings that energy, that juice every day, yeah. and it makes practice go by that much easier. It makes yeah. those meetings go by, and it makes games more fun to prepare for yeah. when you're around a guy like that works as hard as he yeah. does. Good stuff. So I uh, want to thank Wall for being here. I uh, want to thank Field Yates yes. uh, from ESPN for joining us. Good stuff from that Field was. Yates on here. Lo- love listening to him talk about uh, about that type of stuff. And uh, we're and getting again, closer, Bo. Yep. Yeah, and again, I, w- I want to thank everyone that participated in the uh, in the DCC. It was a great weekend. Great, it was great a great day. Saturday. And uh, you know, and, congratulations. And, and, and it's just you know, it's just, it's nice to see this organization step out and you know th- over 30 million biggest fundraiser I mean, in the nfl crazy crazy it's what awesome. they've done over the last eight years and uh and i and i would uh i, I would say if, if 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 you want to get involved it's going to be here next year uh keep your eyes open for it and look if you donate donate two bucks two dollars is you know i always say you know what you never know if that five dollars you donate to cancer research is going to give some family five extra minutes yeah. with their loved one right you know that's an important where where minutes are important your five dollars may have done that so uh any anything you throw that way and look you still got time there's still time you can go to the 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 dolphins uh, cancer challenge page called dolphinscancerchallenge.com if you want to donate something go ahead and do it i think it'd be a, a nice thing and then see if we can get up to forty thousand forty million dollars here before you know it great great day great organization yeah. uh and, and i just unbelievable how yeah. many people from the community from south yep. florida yep. participate yep no doubt john been a pleasure we'll catch you we'll catch you next Thanks, week Bo. and uh, you know what john I, I think you know every now and then we we kind of just get out of the show but you know we, we sometimes like to recognize guys that done some extra work so how about a little pl- for logan 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 mccall all the time all the thing that, that extra work. a little golf clap for him not much nice. more than that but that's with, with the masters coming little yeah, golf gotta get clap. a little golf clap little for golf him there, clap. You know, so. all right that's gonna do Good it for job, the show Lokes. we'll be back next week join us uh, we drop on thursdays uh where's jeff is he on vacation where yeah where is jeff i think he might be on i think he was some island i saw a picture of more notes here he might be on vacation no you can check us out on the apple music dolphins.com spotify mobile dolphins mobile app tune in radio episodes drop every week on either thursday or friday morning subscribe to the podcast you can get notified when new episodes are available that's all i'm saying we'll see you next week